Thank you, everyone, again for joining us here on our regular Saturday talks called Explaining the Faith. I'm Father Chris Alar with the Marians here at the National Shrine of the Divine Mercy. And as you saw on your screen, we have a great topic today. Today is Halloween, and there's so much confusion about what the church says about things like Halloween and then the big feast of All Saints and All Souls Day. And so I apologize, I'm out of breath. I had to run literally across our property to get here for the live stream on time. And we changed our clock backs tonight, so I wasn't sure, and it was a mess. But anyway, let us begin with a prayer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Heavenly Father, we ask you send the Holy Spirit down upon us to bless this time, to bless our loved ones who have deceased, so that we can pray for them and offer suffrages for them, and that you may have mercy on them. And we ask all this through Christ our Lord. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. First, we'd like to say that I did a talk a few weeks ago on purgatory, and if you've seen that, this is different. It kind of builds on it. On that talk I did on purgatory, I touched just briefly on Halloween, All Saints Day, and All Souls Day, but I'm going to expand. A few things I'll re-mention, uh, but I'm going to expand on that. And so I want you to stay with us, and we're also going to tell you about an incredible grace that the Holy See has granted this November, starting tomorrow, regarding plenary indulgences. So if you don't know what those are, they're a huge grace we're going to explain the confusion about them and offer you what the church is telling us we can get in the plenary indulgence for this month coming up that is huge, so you don't want to miss this. That'll be towards the end, so God bless all of you. Okay, now, this talk is continuing our series, as you can see on your screen, called Explaining the Faith. I have released the first 13 talks. We're going to be releasing the next 13 talks soon. So this will be on that second release. This is part of the series, as I said, called Explaining the Faith, which you can get on DVD at shopmercy.org or live streaming it at thedivinemercy.org slash explaining the faith. Or easy, just call us at 800 462 Seven four two six. All right. So let us begin now. I want to begin my first slide. Let's jump right into this with Halloween. Let's look at our first slide. Now notice hollow, which means holy, and een comes from e apostrophe en, which means evening. So holy evening. And that's why there's an apostrophe. Now, so the technical name is All Hallows' Eve, or Holy Evening. So Halloween means hallowed evening. But why? Okay. November 1st and 2nd, so tomorrow and Monday, November 1st and 2nd is dedicated to the dead. Every year, the church dedicates these two days to the dead. So it makes sense that tonight... October 31st, the eve of that November 1st, All Saints Day, is celebrated as a vigil. All great feast days or, or celebrations in the church have a vigil. And so all Halloween is, is the vigil of All Saints Day. This is very Catholic. 
And so we're going to talk about this. Now, All Saints Day, which is tomorrow. So, okay, we have October 31st tonight is Halloween. November 1st is All Saints Day. Then November 2nd is All Souls Day. And we're going to explain why this is so important in the time you spend in purgatory, not just your loved ones. Depends on what we're going to learn today. So good stuff. Now, All Saints Day. Most saints have a particular feast day. It's usually the day they died because they enter into a new life. But not all of them are observed. Let's look at our next slide. So tomorrow, November 1st, we call All Saints Day. And most saints, as I said, are not recognized. There's so many saints. Everybody in heaven is a saint. So not all are observed. Now, on November 1st, this is the day we recognize those saints who have not been canonized. Every church day in the calendar, we have some saints that have been canonized. They get their recognition throughout the year, like um, January 31st is Don Bosco or, or you know, uh, Thomas Aquinas, January 28th or wh whatever it might be. We have those saints who are canonized have their day of recognition in their feast day. But what about all the other souls in heaven who are also saints? This is the day for them, November 1st. That's why we call it All Saints Day. Now, the next day, let's look at our slide. November 2nd is called All Souls Day, where here we remember those souls that are not yet in heaven. These are the ones on their way in purgatory. So we call it All Souls Day. This is November 2nd. So this is important. Now, why do I mention all this? Because Protestants began to ban celebrating All Saints Day. Again, All Saints Day, November 1st. So if you ban that day, you got to ban Halloween. Because All Hallows Eve is the vigil of that All Saints Day. And so this is why it was banned, not because it was pagan, but because it was Catholic. Isn't that interesting? Irish Catholic immigrants then revived Halloween here in the U.S. as a way to celebrate the vigil of All Saints Day. But then it was hijacked. And this is what we're fighting today. Witches and Wiccans and Satanists have created this misconception that it's their day. It's their festival of evil. Now that's not true, but they've claimed it, they've hijacked it. Now, what's floating around on Facebook right now is kind of scary if it's true. I don't know if it's true, but it is scary because right now what they are saying is this evening, January, uh, October 31st, this evening, Many witches and Wiccans around the world. Let's look at our next slide. This is from a Facebook post. Supposedly, a Facebook post going out for tonight is gathering witches and Wiccans from around the world tonight to place hexes and curses on President Trump. Now, I want to say something. I'd be saying the same thing if it was any other president, if uh, 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 Biden gets elected, then I'm going to say the same thing. We have to pray. 
Whether it's Biden or Trump, it doesn't matter. We have to pray for the office of the presidency against this kind of diabolical garbage. Placing hexes and curses on our president doesn't matter, again, if it's Joe Biden or Donald Trump. What matters is that we as Catholics have to pray for our nation and the office of the presidency, regardless of what you think of the individual. It's the office that represents you. And we have to do that. I'll say the same thing no matter who's president next term. And so this is, this is important. Now, the point is, Halloween is not pagan in its roots. It's become pagan in its practice. All right? But it is a pagan um, takeover or hijacked. It was really first a Christian celebration as that vigil of All Saints Day for 1,300 years. So let's reclaim this three days that we know as All Hallows Tide. If you take tonight the vigil, October 31st, or what we call Halloween, tomorrow All Saints Day, November 1st, and the next day All Souls Day, November 2nd, together it's known as All Hallows Tide. Let's take that back. You know, for years it was Christian, it was Catholic. Uh, do you know Catholic colonists in Maryland recognized All Hallows Eve or Halloween in their church calendars. All right, but Father, I'm not sure what to do. Let's look at our next slide. Are my kids allowed to go out to trick or treat? Is this something pagan? Is this something evil? Well, let's look at this. Do you know the tradition? There we have it on our screen, trick or treat, right? You know where that comes from? That comes from a tradition called souling, S-O-U-L-I-N-G which was the custom of sharing soul cakes to help the faithful departed, those who had died. So children would go door to door during All Hallows Tide, again, October 31st through November 2nd, which we're ready to celebrate, and they would collect soul cakes. In exchange, they would pray for the dead, especially the people who gave them the soul cake for their friends and relatives. So you can see that's where the tradition of trick-or-treat got started, going door-to-door and getting something in return. So what about, Father, this occult part of it? What about the occult aspects of ghosts and demons? Well, actually, that's Catholic doctrine as well. Demons are fallen angels. Holy souls are spirits that sometimes God allows to roam the earth. So this is what, uh, we'll get into ghosts in a minute. So stay, stay with us here. But people are like, Father, um, what about jack-o'-lanterns? These are evil. Well, actually, jack-o'-lanterns originally represented the souls of the dead. And if you go to churches in Europe, when I was younger, I used to think, man, are these churches pagan? Because they would have gargoyles. You know what a gargoyle is? Kind of that scary creature, animal creature that would be carved in the stone up above the church and surrounding the outside of the church. And I used to think that was pagan. Somebody told me that was pagan. No, you know, the tradition is that how you scare a demon away is when they see another demon or a reflection, excuse me, I mean a reflection of themselves. And so the gargoyle statues on the top of the churches with those scary looking faces were so that when the demons came near the church, they would think they were seeing their own reflection and see that scary gargoyle and would therefore flee. Kind of interesting, isn't it? All right. 
in France. Please pray for France. We just had another church attack there. Oh my, we just really need to pray for what's going on in the world today, don't we? But in France, they believe that in once a year, on Halloween, the dead of the churchyards would rise for a carnival. And so people would dress up as corpses from all levels of society to, to be part of this. And this is what it was said is the origin of the modern day costume party. People go to these Halloween parties and they have no clue of the Christian roots of this. It's, everything has Christian roots. And yet where our cancel culture is trying to get rid of it all. Others believed that it came from the practice of dressing costume parties, came from the practice of dressing in disguise so that the evil spirits wouldn't see you. When they came on this night, Halloween, they wouldn't recognize you and wouldn't torment you. So if you dress as a cowboy when the evil spirit came on Halloween to torment you, he wouldn't recognize you. You're a cowboy, not a banker in New York. Kind of interesting, isn't it? All right, so let's look at this. Let's look at our next slide. Here's a cute little picture, right, of kids dressed up, dressed up for Halloween. Now, should we allow this? This is a question I'm going to get into more detail. Should parents allow this? Well, Father Amorth, Gabriel Amorth, who was the chief exorcist in Rome, I'm going to quote you now, quote him. He said, if children dress up as goblins or ghosts on one night of the year with no intention of connecting with evil, it is not a problem. If it is, if it is just a game, there is no harm in that. I thought that was kind of interesting. Now, I'm not going to say it's totally that you should be playing the Ouija board and doing seances on Halloween dressed as a witch. No, that's not what we're talking about here. So earlier, I said that All Saints Day, November 1st, and its vigil, Halloween, were banned by Protestants. Now, I want to go back to that. Why did they ban it? Because I said it was Catholic, not because it was pagan. Okay, Father, but why? What did they have against the Catholic, this Catholic vigil? They claimed that the Catherine, Catholic doctrine of purgatory was a form of Babylonian worship of the dead, my goodness, we are not worshiping the dead. We're asking God's mercy upon them. There's a huge difference. So the reformers said that purgatory was incompatible with, with the Bible, which it isn't. If you want to see how I explain that, go to my other purgatory talk. And they said that it's incompatible with the Bible. So All Hallows Eve, or Halloween, was redefined without the doctrine of purgatory. And therefore, when it shouldn't be, they did. And they said that returning souls cannot be journeying from purgatory on their way to heaven because purgatory doesn't exist. Therefore, any ghost or goblin on Halloween, which they weren't denying, there were not spirits. But any ghosts or goblins were thought to be evil spirits only, and therefore they banned it. Now, remember, ghosts, or what we think of as ghosts, the church says, can be holy souls or demons. 
If there's a spiritual influence, which we know exists on this earth, it could be either one of those. Now, the Protestants went on to say, and the witches, they were accompanying these evil spirits as they traveled the earth. But they weren't going from purgatory to heaven. They were just traveling around the earth. So they said, ban it. Now, we have to say that good spirits, and, I, and I'm, please, please, let me rephrase here. I'm not talking about all Protestants today, please. I know there are many good um, Baptists and Methodists and, and, and others that celebrate many feasts of the same church we do in, in essence of the Bible and belief, but, and, 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 and have no problem with Halloween. Please, please, I ask you, don't send me a letter saying, Father Chris, I'm contacting your superior because you're saying all Protestants are evil and they're all against Halloween. We celebrate Halloween. I understand that. I get that. I apologize. When I, as I've been saying this, I didn't mean to say all Protestants. I'm saying this is the roots of how the bans began from some Protestants. Not all, some, and this is past history, and that's quite changed today. So please let me clarify that. All right. Our church, the Catholic Church, believes that both good spirits, holy souls, and bad spirits, demons, are allowed to roam the earth until Christ comes again. And these are what sometimes we think of as ghosts. So they could be either good holy souls or bad demons. But when we see spiritual things happen, sometimes we think of ghosts. It could be either. You know, sometimes you hear knocks or bangs in your house at night and don't automatically think that they're bad spirits. They could be holy souls asking for prayers, reminding you, hey, we're here. Um, you know, purgatory is, is, is the souls there are sometimes allowed to come to earth. You know, Father Don Calloway tells a story when he was here in Stockbridge that um, a box of Kleenex literally lifted off of the off the cabinet and flew across the room and banged him on the shoulder. Now, we don't know what that was, but as much as it could be something bad or evil, unhappy Father Don was there as a priest, it could have been a holy soul saying, hey, Father, say a mass for all the souls that were ever lived in this house that are now faithfully departed. We need to get to heaven. So maybe when those things happen, have a house blessing or a mass said. So this is good stuff. Important stuff, maybe. Now, there is now a new backlash against Halloween again. And again, it's not by just non-Catholics or Protestants. It could be by anybody, even Catholics too. But it started in the 1980s. There was a guy named Jack Chick who was an anti-Catholic fundamentalist that led this charge and, and unfortunately started a lot of rumors um, he claimed that Halloween was Satan's birthday. This is not true. There is no birthday. Uh, God created the angels before he created the world. So there is no birth date. Um, he created them uh, separately. He claimed that there was all kinds of razor blades and candy. They found out that this was really relatively false because the very few known candy poisonings that were found in the 1980s were actually sadly, really sadly, by the children's parents. That's crazy, isn't it? That's insane. 
In this urban legend that Pope Benedict XVI said not to celebrate Halloween, false. False. Now, I'm not encouraging dress your kids up as witches and, and stuff like that and, and devils. No, I'm not encouraging that. So what am I encouraging? How to celebrate Halloween like a Catholic or a non-secularist? Yeah. Let's look at our next slide. If you worry that a popular Catholic alternative can't be found to Halloween, no, there isn't. Or excuse me, you shouldn't. Look at this. Isn't that adorable picture on your screen? That is what we call an All Saints party. This is awesome because, you know, many Catholics have questioned Halloween. They're not aware of the Catholic roots of it. So they say, Father, I don't want to celebrate Halloween. That's just fine. Don't celebrate it, but you can do an All Saints party. Aren't those kids cute? Those kids are really cute. So usually these All Saints party are held on Halloween and they feature candy. They feature costumes of their favorite saints instead of witches or devils. I think it's a great idea. At best, though, it's just an attempt to Christianize what's an already Christian holiday. So we have to keep things in perspective, all right? The belief that the demonic have equal power to the good, to God, is crazy. I remember when I was a kid, we had a neighbor, and he was always looking forward to Halloween night, and even the night before Halloween night was called Devil's Night in Michigan. And and he acted like evil had this equal power to good, just in the opposite direction. And many high school seniors, they did a poll and they think evil has equal but opposite power of good, but every bit is equal. This is not true. Satan only has what God allows him in his free will to exercise. It's a whole nother topic of my talk, but another talk I did online you can find. But anyway... On the feast's vigil that we talked about here, Halloween, we actually mock evil. This is a time as Christians to realize that evil has really no power over us if we don't let it. And so we can, we can actually mock evil in these costumes and at these parties by saying, you got, you got no power over me that God doesn't allow you to have or that I allow you to have. Now, Focus then on the saints, like that picture showed of some really cool saints there, of the children, or also great historical figures. I think this would be a great year to do our founding fathers, since they're being canceled in our cancel culture, or sports figures. So talk to your kids about the origin of, of this holiday. Um, you know, we remember all the saints who are more powerful than any superhero, any Captain America or Credible Hulk or any comic book character. So tell your kids some saint stories uh, tonight, not just ghost stories. You know, one of the great saint stories that you can tell is our own founder. Look at our next slide. This is Saint Stanislaus Papchinsky. Now, He's the founder of the Marian Fathers, and one of our charisms is to pray for the faithful departed. He had a vision of the holy souls in purgatory, and that's why it says here to pray for the souls in purgatory, for they suffer, he says on that screen, unbearably. He saw the sufferings of the holy souls. He had a vision, 
And he was so moved that he immediately went to his room, locked himself in and prayed for three days, begging God's mercy on them. And that was part of his charism and founding of the Marian fathers, was devotion to the holy, praying for the holy souls. So anyway, another great saint, Faustina. You know, she faced demons she had visions of heaven, hell, and purgatory. She saw the holy souls longing for God. Um, John Vianney is another great saint you could dress up as. Um, you know, he once had his bed set on fire by Satan because he was so mad of all the souls John Vianney was saving. So here's the bottom line, everybody. Encourage your kids to have a devotion to the saints. It could be the saint that they have the same name. If your child's name is John, St. John the Baptist or St. John the Evangelist. Or if, if whatever, if your child's name is uh, Teresa, St. Teresa of Avila or Therese, St. Therese of Lisieux. It, it's powerful. It could be a baptismal name or a confirmation name. Well, Father, my, my, uh, my child doesn't have a saint name. Well, then use the confirmation name. Mine's Francis. Wow, St. Francis, that's a good one. That's my confirmation name. So anyway, also, even if you don't want to do that, you could look up the patron saint, not only of your own name, but your parish. There's a patron saint of your parish at church. It's usually the name of the parish, of your diocese. Every diocese has a patron saint, even your profession. Patron saint, if you're a doctor, St. Cyril and Methodius, pray to them. They're the patron saints of doctors or your country. We can all pray to Mary the Immaculate Conception, the patroness of our nation. All right, so All Saints Day, November 1st, powerful stuff. Let's go back one more time to now All Souls Day, November 2nd. Let's look at the slide again. We'll put it back up a second time. This is very unique, All Souls Day. It's a memorial Remember the order of importance in the church. Solemnities are the highest. Every Sunday or Easter, Christmas is a solemnity. Then you have feasts, like of the apostles. Then you have memorials. What's interesting is All Souls Day is a memorial. It's not even the highest. But it's unique in that while it's not a feast or a solemnity, it ranks with the highest solemnities, with the highest solemnities of Jesus and Mary. And the highest saints listed in the general calendar of the church. In fact, it's so powerful that even if it falls on a Sunday, it's still celebrated. And that's not often happen. That doesn't happen often. So the official name of All Souls Day is the commemoration of all the faithful departed. So why? Why are they back to back? So after we honor all the saints in heaven... On November 1st, All Saints Day, we now pray for the rest of the people who have died that have not yet made it to heaven on November 2nd, All Souls Day. This was done two days in a row to show that we believe in a communion of saints. They are together. Souls in purgatory are actually saints. They're not saints, Father. Yes, they are, because they have won their eternal reward. Every soul in purgatory will eventually get to heaven. Now, if you're like Father Dan and me, we always joke, 
who's going to be the last one to turn out the lights in purgatory because we got a lot of explaining to do. So that's why we need your prayers as well. So a soul, does it want to go to purgatory? Actually, does a bride want to go into a separate room and not see her groom until she's prepared and ready on her wedding day? Yeah. Believe it or not, souls actually want to go there because they want to get ready. They want to get prepared. So a bride sneaks off and doesn't look at the groom before the wedding so she can get all pretty and prepared, has everything right. Her hair, her makeup, beautiful. It's the same with us. We want to get to purgatory. We want to go there to get ready before we meet our groom. We're the bride. The church is the bride. Jesus is the groom. I do that on my other purgatory talk. All right. Though merciful, God is still justice and will not deliver souls until they have paid their debt. This is in scripture. So a soul is there because their sin, although it's been forgiven, because remember, all these people are in purgatory, have been forgiven of their sins, but the punishment may remain. And this is why it's important to know that in the confessional, when you go to confession, while the sin's forgiven, some of the temporal punishment may remain. It's kind of like the boy who plays ball in the yard and breaks the window after dad said, don't do it. The dad forgives him for breaking the window, but the dad says, you know, you're going to have to pay for this out of your allowance and you're grounded. It's a loving discipline. That is what we call temporal punishment due to sin. So a soul has to finish doing their penance. Now they have two choices because they've harmed when we sin. Remember, we don't just affect ourselves. When we sin, we affect the whole world. Our sins are not just personal, they're communal. When, when you sin or I sin, we create a disharmony into all of God's universe. That's why there's so much craziness with hurricanes and earthquakes and disasters in addition to the people um, hurting each other. Nature is disharmony in disharmony. So a soul must either make reparation while they are still alive through prayer and penance on this earth or to pay for it in purgatory. This is scriptural. You can see it. The word purgatory is not in the Bible, but either is Trinity. But the concept is. And so we can help those souls, right? We can help those souls with things like indulgences, which I'm going to get to in a minute. So here's the next slide. What can we do to help the holy souls? What can we do? Now, I explain this in my purgatory talk, but I think it's so powerful. If you already saw, Father, I already heard this in your purgatory talk. I would advise listening to it one more time. I can cover this quickly. But this is something I want to talk about. Let's put up the slide. It's called a great exchange. This is so powerful that it's my favorite part of the purgatory talk. Because a great exchange is a concept that few, if any of us, have ever heard of, but it is so powerful. Again, and when I put it in the purgatory talk, I got a lot of emails saying, Father, I never heard that. I think it's so powerful, I'm going to tell you again, even if you heard me say it, and if this is the first time you've heard it, please listen. This is powerful stuff. All right, a great exchange. What does this mean? This is the best way we can help holy souls. All right. 
The greatest sufferings of souls in purgatory is their longing for God. This is what St. Faustina told us in paragraph 20 of her diary. The greatest suffering of the holy souls is their longing for God. All right? They are tormented by that. It's kind of like being in line for an ice cream. You can see the ice cream, but you can't get to it yet. You got to wait in this long line. You have this anticipation, this longing and you want to get to it. They can see it, but they can't yet have it. Now, there's another pain suffered by those poor souls, and that is sorrow for their sins. So, once a soul is in purgatory, it sees clearly that because of its sins, it's been separated from God. So these are the two great pains of the holy souls. One, again, longing for God, and two, agonizing sorrow for their sin because it's keeping them from God. You get that? These are the two pains. Now, what's ironic, these are the same two pains that are signs of holiness in all the saints. If you were to say what, what characteristic is common to all the saints, some saints have more charity than others. Some saints have more patience than others. Somebody like St. Jerome had very little patience. He'd get mad and scream at everybody. Other saints like, you know, uh, St. John the Evangelist had beautiful patience. So every saint's kind of different, but... The two things that are signs of holiness in every saint are those same two things. Longing for God and sorrow for sin. Every saint has had this. Now, that's why the souls in purgatory are actually saints. They have longing for God and sorrow for sin. Now, the saints all experience this in this life. Now, if you want to grow in holiness and you want to be a saint, you need to grow in your longing for God and your sorrow for sin. I hope you all want to be saints. Well, this is a way you can do it. This is a surefire way. You want to become a saint? Grow in your longing for God and your sorrow for sins. Now, ironically, that's what the holy souls have a ton of. And it causes them suffering. They have a longing for God and sorrow for sins. So these poor souls have something we need to become saints or we should want to become saints. The great longing for God and deep contrition for sin. So we can do something for them and they can do something for us. Yet we can help them. We can do something they want to help them with their suffering. Help take it away. So this is what the great exchange is. Let's put these two together. Let's ask God for a kind of spiritual transfer. All right? Stay with me here. In prayer, ask God to transfer some of the sufferings of the holy souls. This longing for God and contrition for sin. Say, give me some of their suffering, Lord, so it alleviates them a bit. It relieves them a bit. And God will gladly do this because he's happy to relieve the souls and their suffering and purgatory from some of that suffering. And he's happy to give you this grace 
to long for him more and to be sorry for your sins so that you can become a saint. This is incredible. In fact, St. Faustina even talked about this. Father, where is this written? Let's look at our next slide. Lord, this is the words of St. Faustina. Lord, you see how terribly the souls in purgatory suffer from their longing for you and from their intense sorrow for their sins. Well then, in your mercy, I ask you to give them some relief by transferring to my heart their longing for you and their sorrow for sins. This is how St. Faustina became a saint. Let my heart burn with longing for you, my God, and please give me a deep contrition for my sins. Amen. Wow. <clears throat> you want to become a saint? There it is. Be like St. Faustina. Isn't that amazing? I, I can't get over that, how easy it is. We want to become saints, there it is. And you can help the holy souls. And not only will you help the holy souls in gratitude, I mean, not only will the souls in purgatory, I should say, pray for you more because they'll be so grateful, but the pain of longing for God and contrition of sin will make you more holy. So not only will you be made more holy, but the saints or the souls in purgatory will be praying harder for you. You know, it's, it, it's a scary kind of pain, but it's very sweet. All right, and remember, our merciful Lord will never give you more than you can carry. By doing this spiritual transfer or this great exchange, we can actually do purgatory. Why on earth? Because what's the suffering of purgatory? Longing for God, contrition for sins. You do that in this world, you're paying your purgatory. You do it the right way, you may skip purgatory altogether and go right to heaven. God bless you if you do. This is amazing. Now, there are other ways that we can make a difference. Let's look at our next slide. All right. The other ways that we can make a difference, I'm going to go through all five, and then we'll come back to a couple of them. One, have a mass said for them. Please, you could do that at your church. We do it at the Marian Fathers. Have a mass said. Enroll the deceased in a spiritual benefit society. I'll talk about that in a second. Offer an indulgence for the deceased. I'm going to talk about that in a minute. Offer your sufferings for them. Stub your toe, say, I hope I can get a soul out of purgatory, Lord, I offer it up. And pray the chaplet of divine mercy and the rosary and other prayers for them. All right, I'm going to go back on two of these. Let's start with our next slide, the Spiritual Benefit Society. Look at our next slide. This is the Association of Marian Helpers. You want to join with us in praying for your loved ones, your family, living and deceased, as a united spiritual benefit society? Join the Association of Marian Helpers. It doesn't cost anything. It, it takes less than 10 seconds. Go to MIC, that means Marian's the Immaculate Conception, MICprayers.com. Takes less than 10 seconds. Sign up, no cost. And you, by decree of the Holy See, the Vatican has said a spiritual benefit society, which we are, means you can share in your loved ones and all the graces of our masses, rosaries, prayers, penances, just like you were a Marian priest. You know, that's kind of crazy. 
I had to go through ordination and giving up marriage and family to get the grace of being a Marian father. And you can come right in and get the grace of being a Marian father, just like I get it, by be joining our association. It's beautiful. All right, now, the next one I wanted to talk about on that list is the biggie. Let's look at our next slide. Plenary indulgences. All right. This is important stuff here. And before I go to the next slide, I want to tell you, what is a plenary indulgence? Okay, a second ago, I told you that when you go to confession, your sin is forgiven. But when you come out, there's a chance some of that temporary, temporal punishment may remain. Now, what is it that we can do to get rid of that? Father, I want to go right to heaven. I don't want to mess around in purgatory. Well, don't think that's a bad thing. God wants you to aspire to have union with him as soon as possible. It's good to shoot for heaven. Remember Pope, or uh, Pope, um, Father Benedict Rochelle said, never aim for purgatory, you might miss. Aim for heaven. Then if you miss, you'll end up in purgatory at least. So the point is, there, there are some maybe punishment remaining after we've been forgiven of our sins. So what is, a, what is a plenary indulgence? A plenary indulgence is something we can do an act of charity that we can do that relieves the temporal punishment for sins already forgiven in the confessional. Because once we've forgiven of those sins in the confessional, we can then have an opportunity to also remit the temporal punishment due to those sins in a very powerful way. It's called a plenary indulgence. Now, Father, how do I get one of these? All right, there are hundreds. You can go to Rome on the anniversary of a basilica. You can do all kinds of stuff. But I'm going to give you what we call the big four. The big four that you can do any day of the year, any time, any place to relieve that temporal punishment while you're still on earth or offer it up for a holy soul who's already died. What are those big four? Look at your screen. One. Adoration for 30 minutes. This can be either with our Lord exposed in the monstrance or in the tabernacle. Two, stations of the cross. It's not just on Fridays in Lent. Any day of the year, you can get a plenary indulgence. Three, praying the rosary inside a church or chapel or with another person. This is why I always laugh. I make my brothers pray extra rosaries with me when I land at the airport because I want the plenary indulgence. And four, reading scripture for 30 minutes. Heck, you can do that today on your couch at halftime. Now, you can only get one a day. You might want to rotate these, but you could do any one of these four. Every day, I do my adoration for 30 minutes, and I ask for the plenary indulgence. So any one of these four can be a plenary indulgence. Now, why do I say can be? Well, okay, because in order to receive it, there are some conditions. Now let's look at our next slide. We have to meet four conditions. If we do one of those four things, praying the rosary, half hour of adoration, half hour of scripture, or stations of the cross, or any other plenary indulgence the church offers, you have to do four things to receive it. Now, let's look at these four things. One, you must receive Holy Communion. Now, Father, we can't. The churches are closed, okay? You offer up a spiritual communion at a live stream mass like we have every day at 9 o'clock. 
And as soon as you can get to the actual sacrament of Holy Communion, you go. But in the meantime, the church accepts a spiritual communion. Because Lord knows and you know if you can't get there. Because of the coronavirus or your church is closed. Next, confession. People always tell me, Father, it's eight days before after. It used to be. Since the Jubilee year 2000, the church now teaches confession about 20 days before or after. If you're in a state of grace, you can go either before or after. If you're not in a state of grace, you need to go before. All right, pray for the intentions. Three, pray for the intentions of the Holy Father that are in line with the will of God. And that's usually done by an Our Father, a Hail Mary, and a Glory Be. And then finally, the fourth one, good luck with this one, but no attachment to sin, even venial. All right? That's okay. Because even if we don't get a full plenary indulgence because we still have some attachment to food or gluttony or impurity, we can still get a partial indulgence out of it. So remember, pennies equal dollars. Keep doing those every day. Now, there are a ton of also partial indulgences that you can get every day. Let's show a list. I got two slides of these. Let's look at these. One, do you know making the sign of the cross? Simply making the sign of the cross is a plenary indulgence. Praying the rosary, not in common with others. Raising one's thoughts to God in a pious way. So if you just stop your day for but a moment and raise your mind to God, thanking him, adoring him, Asking him for help, you're doing that. You can get a partial indulgence. Did you know that? Next, adoring Jesus in the Holy Eucharist for only a moment. Father, I don't have a half an hour to get the plenary indulgence. All right, do two minutes. Get a partial. Let's keep going to the next slide. Teaching or attending a catechism class can be a partial indulgence. Fasting can be a plenary indulgence. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Partial indulgence. I'm sorry, sorry, I just said plenary. Partial indulgence. Teaching, um, as I said, fasting can be a partial indulgence. Venerating a saint on his feast day. Wow, we have almost every other day is a saint day. Venerate that saint. Say a quick prayer to him. You can get a partial indulgence. What about giving alms, helping the poor or the homeless? You give a, little, a couple dollars to that man at the street corner? That can be a partial indulgence. Now, Father, I don't know, where is this indulgence thing? I, you know, I, I hear that the Catholic Church used to sell them, they're evil, they're bad. Well, you know, anything could be used for good or bad. A computer. Computer could be used for the good, learning prayers, or it could be used for the bad, going to the wrong websites. Indulgences is no different. We have to use them as something that God gives us as a grace. They're not, they're not, rules or regulations, they're extra credit of grace. You know, when I was a college student, if my grade wasn't all that good in electromagnetism, I would go to the teacher and say, hey, you know, my grade's not really where I want it. Can I do some extra credit paper? And sometimes they would say, sure. Now, did I get mad at the teacher and say, you know what, I'm tired of all your rules and regulations. No, it was extra credit. The church giving a partial indulgence or a plenary indulgence. I once got an email from somebody who says, Father, you talked about plenary indulgences. This is the problem with the church, all the rules and the regulations. It's not rules and regulations. It's extra credit of grace. Who wouldn't want that? It's hugely powerful stuff. 
And so we learn from there. Let's look at our next slide. Jesus even talked about this to St. Faustina. All these souls in purgatory are greatly loved by me. They are making retributions to my justice. It is in your power to bring them relief. Draw all the indulgences from the treasury of my church. That's from the diary of St. Faustina. Powerful stuff. All right. Now, in this, we also have a very special month. I told you at the beginning of this talk, and I want to hit it right now. The month of November is an extremely powerful month for you to get indulgences for your loved ones or for yourself. Now, remember, a plenty of indulgence cannot be offered for another living person. It can be offered for yourself or somebody who has died. Let's talk about this for a moment. All right. Now, in the month of November, the church dedicates this entire month and always had to prayer for the holy souls in purgatory. But this year, they've extended and even added plenary indulgence this year. And I want to tell you about this. All right. Because of the pandemic, the Holy Soul, uh, Holy See, the Vatican, has expanded the power and the reach and the number of plenary indulgences. Let's talk about a few of these. You've probably heard about visiting a graveyard. Visiting a graveyard traditionally between November 1st, All Saints Day, and November 8th, meaning it's an octave, eight days of prayers, that you go to a graveyard you could get a plenary indulgence with the normal conditions that I explained. Going to communion, going to confession, praying for the intentions of the Holy Father, and no attachment to sin, even vino. However, normally done November 1st to 8th, it is applicable, as the church teaches, to the deceased by visiting a cemetery in those days, between the 1st and the 8th. Now, this year, the church is saying you can visit a cemetery any day of November from the 1st of November to the 30th of November. And get this, because of COVID, the church is saying you can even visit the cemetery mentally. So if you know and you've been to your mother's grave and you know what it looks like, you know where it is, you can actually get a plenary indulgence for her by mentally visiting the cemetery, not just on November 1st through 8th, which the church used to say you have to physically go there in those eight days, but actually mentally you can visit her in that graveyard by just praying any day of November. This is huge making devout prayers for the faithful departed. There's more. Are you homebound? Even if you don't have corona, let's start with this one. If you are homebound, that you can't leave your home for any reasons, maybe it's the anti-COVID restrictions or maybe you're in uh, quarantine, you can get a plenary indulgence right now by uniting spiritually to other members of the faithful. You know a great way to do that? what you're doing right now. We're a live stream of the mass. This is incredible. You can do that right now. The decree from the Holy See suggests that along with this, you make some prayer, for instance, before the, an image of Jesus or Mary. 
It could be any kind of image, a prayer card or whatnot. In fact, if you want a beautiful image, visit divinemercyart.com because you can get incredibly beautiful images of Mary and Jesus and Joseph, the saints, the angels, divinemercyart.com. You can get those images and, and, and have them in your home with you. And, and not just ours. Please don't get, me, don't get upset with me. You can get them anywhere. You can get them at your religious bookstore. You can get them anywhere else online. I'm not saying you have to get them from us or you don't get the plenary indulgence. I'm not saying that. So God bless you, but get an image. It's beautiful. It's a great way to get grace. Now, the prayers that you would say are recommended as prayers for the deceased, such as the rosary, the chaplet, or doing a work of mercy by offering God the discomfort that you have being homebound. Isn't that amazing? Wow. Now, let's talk about the pandemic indulgence that the church gave earlier this year, which is now still in place. I keep getting letters. Father, is this pandemic indulgence still in place? Yes. There is a special indulgence given by the church to praying the Divine Mercy Chaplet. What is it? All right, you recite the Divine Mercy Chaplet with the intention to implore from Almighty God an end to the pandemic or and or relief for those who are affected by it and or re the eternal salvation for those who have died from it. There are many people who've died that we can pray for. So you can receive a plenary indulgence each day. Not just November now. This one has been going on for months. You know, there are even other ways to gain this special plenary indulgence. For instance, heaven forbid, my goodness, God bless you. But if you have corona, do you know the church is offering an indulgence for you too? The faithful quote, the faithful suffering from coronavirus and subject to quarantine by order of health authority in hospitals or their own homes can gain the plenary indulgence if they quote, unite spiritually through the media to the celebration of Holy Mass. Join us every day at nine. You can get a plenary indulgence. The recitation of the rosary, the pious practice of the ways of the cross, these are ones I've already talked about, or other forms of devotion. Or get this, quote, or at least if you recite the Apostles' Creed, the Lord's Prayer, and a pious invoking of the Blessed Virgin Mary. Again, if you can't even watch the live stream, Father, I met my daughters today, but I'm leaving tomorrow and I don't have internet. If you recite the Apostles' Creed, pray the Lord's Prayer, and a prayer to Mary, you can too get this plenary indulgence. Offering the trial that you're going through in spirit of faith to God in charity and union with your brothers and sisters. All right, just a couple more. Healthcare workers or loved ones and family who are taking care of the sick, especially Corona. Family members and all those who follow the example of the Good Samaritan are exposing themselves to the risk of contagion, care for the sick of the coronavirus, according to the words of the divine redeemer, greater love hath no man than to lay down his life for his friends. 
will obtain the same gift of the plenary indulgence. This is the words of the Holy See, not me. What about if the sick, what if you are really, really sick, not just with coronavirus, but you're sick with anything else and you can't get a priest or the church is closed? The church also offers you hope. Quote, the church prays for those who find themselves unable to receive the sacrament of anointing of the sick, entrusting each and every one to divine mercy by virtue of the communion of saints and granting the faithful a plenary indulgence on the point of death, provided that they are disposed, meaning open to it, and have recited at least a few prayers during their lifetime. So if you've never prayed in your lifetime, now's the time. As long as you've made some even simple prayers, you can get this plenary indulgence. In this case, the church makes up for those usual conditions that I gave you earlier of Holy Communion, confession within 20 days, and praying for the intentions of the Holy Father. The church supplies for those. For the attainment of this indulgence, the use of the crucifix or the cross is recommended. Just hold it. Just hold a crucifix or a cross. I don't have one, Father. Make a cross, tie it together with two pencils, and hold it together. This is my cross. It's a crucifix, meaning it has the body of Christ on it, or a cross of any kind. All right, we're going to wrap up here. Now, what day, if we do these plenary indulgences, we can do them for ourselves or for a holy soul? Now, what day of the year are most holy souls released from purgatory into heaven? Do you know the most day that the saints tell us and the mystics that the most souls are released from purgatory? Christmas. Do you know what's next? All hollows tide. Tonight, tomorrow, and Monday. All hollows tide. The vigil, starting tonight after five, all Saints Day, all day tomorrow, November 1st, and all day second, uh, the 2nd, November 2nd. That's the next day most souls are released. Then it's Good Friday, then the Assumption, then the Ascension. Surprisingly, Easter is not one of the top ones because that is a day where the Lord redeemed us from our sins. It's not so much about the punishment. He redeemed us from the damnation. But those others are graces. They're all tied together. So especially do indulgences on those days. Christmas Day, especially do one. All Hallows Tide, these next three days, especially do one. Good Friday, Assumption, the Ascension. Please do them. So especially those days. All right, All Hallow Tide then bears a lot of fruit, allowing us to assist in God's work of redemption. He saved the soul. We can help get it to heaven. We, not our work, his work, but we can assist in it. All right. Let's go to the next one. The next slide. Can the holy souls help us? All this talk has been about us helping the holy souls. Can the holy souls help us? The holy souls have said that they can't pray for themselves. This is why you have to pray for a holy soul. I have to pray for a holy soul. They cannot pray for themselves, but they can pray for us. They can intercede for the living. St. John Vianney said, quote, 
If one knew what we may obtain from God by the intercession of the poor souls, meaning for us, helping us, they would not be so abandoned by us. Let us pray for them and they will then pray more for us. So, you know, you can pray all this talk, and this is good. Every time we do prayers, we say, you know, Saint so-and-so pray for us. Saint uh, Kateri pray for us. Um, Saint John Bosco pray for us. This is good. But do you know you can also pray to your loved ones to intercede for you? Not if they're in hell, and we pray that's not going to happen, but even if they're not in heaven yet, but only in purgatory, they can help you. You can pray to those souls. We have a beautiful employee at our, at our uh, uh, Marion Helper Center Association that died named Suzanne. Her birthday and her anniversary of her death every year, we pray to her saying, hey, not like she's God, but we're, we ask for her intercession. Help us. You loved God so much. Help us down here. Now, can saints pray for the holy souls? This is a great question. All right, now, can saints pray for the holy souls? Most theologians teach us that saints in heaven do not have full universal access to your thoughts. Well, wait a minute, Father. St. Augustine can read my mind of impurity. Well, actually, no. Any knowledge they gain is received directly from God. He may allow them access or to, to have access to your thoughts, but that's not universal. It's only by special permission from God. But God most certainly makes them aware of your requests for their intercession. So if you request an intercession of a saint, God makes them aware of it. Now, according to Father McNamara, we can get a saint to intercede for our departed loved one. So if your brother died and he struggled his life with drugs, you could ask St. Maximilian Kolbe, the patron of, uh, of drug abuse. St. Maximilian Kolbe, please intercede for my brother John who died of heroin injection. You're the patron saint. Please help him. This is powerful stuff. We have a duty not only to pray for the holy souls, but we also have a duty to ask the saints to intercede for those holy souls too. Just like we are. This is part of the role of the communion of saints. We are all part of the communion of saints. The church triumphant is the souls in heaven. The church suffering are the souls in purgatory. And we on earth are the church militant, trying to find our way. Saints cannot help the poor souls, however, without our request to intercede for them. How tragic is that? If you have all these saints in heaven dying to help your brother or mother or father, trying to get out of purgatory, they're dying to help them. And the only reason they haven't is because you haven't asked. Whoa. All these saints, these saints, okay, Saint... Um, Stanislaus Pepchinski, I ask you right now to intercede for my grandmother who took her life, who what looks like an impossible cause. It looks like she was in mortal danger and an impossible cause for her salvation. St. Jude, the patron of impossible causes, 
Intercede for my grandmother who took her life right now to help her. This is amazing. I'm not making this up. This is the teachings of the church. This is, this is part of the body of Christ. They are truly poor, these holy souls, because they totally depend on us, even on their help from the saints. That's why we are all to intercede for each other. Church triumphant, church militant, church suffering. But the saints can't hear us, Father. I hear this all the time. Father, the saints can't hear us. They're dead. Well, wait a minute. Doesn't the Bible tell us that Jesus on the transfiguration on Mount Tabor was talking to Moses and Elijah? They're saints. They're dead. Did they hear him? Yes, they did. The saints are powerful helpers. It's not because of them. It's because of their communion with Jesus. Our prayers are joined with their prayers in communion with Christ. It's all about not just me and Jesus, but it's about me, Jesus, and his whole body. I hear this a lot from non-Catholics. It's only about me and Jesus. Well, it's really, yeah, it's about me and Jesus and his whole body, the body of Christ, the mystical body of Christ, heaven, hell, and purgatory, excuse me, heaven, earth, and purgatory. The church triumphant, the church militant, and the church suffering. You know, Thomas Aquinas said, saints have the power to intercede but they cannot do things to help gain merit for the, the satisfaction for the holy souls, such as offering masses, prayers, or penances for them like we can. If the saints had that power, they would empty purgatory. We have that power, and we don't even probably empty a fraction of purgatory. We should. Ask the saints to pray for those particular souls of your loved ones. And then do your part by offering suffrages. Again, what are suffrages? Masses, prayers, penances, fasting, piety, the good acts of love, charity, offered for a soul. Mary is the greatest saint to intercede for these souls because she's the mother of the church suffering. And the church suffering is, she's the mother of that because she saw it at the cross, true suffering. So just a few slides to go. Let's look at our next one. Mary. It's all about Mary here, not meaning in the head of God, meaning in our intercession. How can she help? All right. Do you know that Our Lady's images is in the catacombs in Rome, in the Rome area, era, going all the way back to the second century? Placing her image next to a tomb indicated a desire to place the deceased one under Mary's care. This goes centuries before the Protestant Reformation, who declared this was wrong. But they did it for centuries before that. In the fourth century, both in the East and the West, tombstones had inscriptions invoking Mary. There are apparitions of Mary that show her in purgatory as a mother bringing them help. St. Faustina called her star of the sea because she brought refreshment to the holy souls. She's the mother of the mystical body of Christ and holy souls are part of that mystical body. Again, church triumphant in heaven, church suffering in purgatory, church militant on earth. What mother wouldn't want to care for her children? She does. She distributes those graces of your prayers and basically lessens their time in purgatory. This is Mary in consecration. Mary in consecration, if you didn't see my talk a few weeks ago, I said, 
take whatever you do in prayers or penances and put them into the hands of Mary and let her distribute them. That way you don't have to worry, did I pray for this person or that person? This is powerful stuff. That's the beauty of, a, of, a, of, of Marian consecration. You let her do that work. Every day when you get up, if you can't remember to pray for this long list of everybody, like I said before, making an Excel spreadsheet, just put all your loved ones and all your prayers and any good works you'll do that day, make a morning offering, placing them in the hands of Mary. Mary, anything I do this day. People who say they have no time to pray, impossible. You can find 10 seconds for this prayer. Every morning you wake up, as you're getting in the shower, say, Mary, whatever I do this day, any joy, pain, sorrow, or suffering, I place in your hands. Any indulgence I get from making the sign of the cross or, or, or any prayer I make, I give you those graces to distribute. You're the mediatrix of grace. Distribute it to those loved ones of mine who need it. I offer these all up for the soul in most need of God's mercy or the soul most obligated that I am to pray for. If you at least make that prayer every day, you're on your way, maybe via purgatory, but you're on your way to salvation because it's an act of love. Wow. All right, St. Faustina. Let's look at our slide. We only got a couple more. St. Faustina. In her diary, the word purgatory is mentioned 24 times. She visited there. In fact, her confessor, Michael Sapochko, listen to this, said that the reason why one woman that he was talking about was in purgatory for so long was that she failed to show any charity or prayer towards the souls in purgatory to whom she owed prayers. Maybe they were people she sinned with or led into sin, and now they're in need of her prayers, and she ignored them. He said because she hadn't done any works of charity that she should have done for those souls, when she died... The charity that was done for her by other people was shifted to those souls she was supposed to pray for. That's why she had a greater debt and a longer time in purgatory. Because she never helped the souls when she was alive that she was supposed to help so that when she died, the souls that helped her, the graces all went to the souls she was supposed to help. Whoa. What a wake-up call. The greatest weapon against going to purgatory or hell, for that matter, is humility. Remember that expression I said before? There are many souls in heaven that have done many sins, but there's not one soul in heaven with the sin of pride. Likewise, there's many souls in hell that did many good things, but there's not one soul in hell with the virtue of humility. This is amazing. And remember, humility is not a false humility, like Michael Jordan saying, you know, I really wasn't a good basketball player. That's not true. That's false humility. Humility isn't thinking less of yourself. Humility is thinking of yourself less. Humility isn't saying, gee, uh, Michael Jordan, man, I'm glad I hit that good shot at the end of the game to win. That was awesome. No, there's nothing wrong with that. But if Michael Jordan only thinks about himself, hogged the ball, never involved his teammates, wanted all the glory for himself, now we don't have humility. Now, to avoid purgatory, we need the help of the holy souls because they will help us in turn after we help them. 
Often souls complain that people go to a funeral. These are souls that have told mystics this, that they go to a funeral and you've probably been there. You've probably seen this. And they canonize the soul in the casket. This soul is automatically in heaven and nobody prays for it. Everybody's crying, but nobody's praying. Maria Sima said, souls, many souls told her that all those tears at funerals are worthless. What matters are prayers, but yet nobody's praying. Everybody's crying. Nobody's praying. Don't canonize that soul. They just may need your prayer. It's good to say good things, but we have to make sure we also pray. This is powerful stuff. So that's, in fact, that's where we're going to end right now. We're going to end with a prayer. Let us pray together. And I'm going to put this on the screen for you. A prayer of the St. Gertrude prayer. Now I know there's confusion on whether or not this is actually true that a thousand souls are relieved from purgatory every time it's prayed. That's not what's important. What's important is that you're praying for the holy souls and asking God's mercy on them. Let us pray. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Eternal Father, I offer you the most precious blood of thy divine Son, Jesus, in union with the masses said throughout the world this day, for all the holy souls in purgatory, for sinners everywhere, for sinners in the universal church, those in my own home, and within my own family. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, God bless all of you. I'm so glad you can join us. Don't forget today, tonight, tomorrow, All Souls Day. I'm sorry, All Saints Day. Monday, All Souls Day. To pray for these faithful departed, your loved ones. Do plenary indulgences. Say the St. Gertrude prayer. Make acts of suffrages and maybe, just maybe, make the great exchange. I know I threw a lot at you in the last hour and 13 minutes, but there's such richness to our faith and such a beauty. If Catholics don't pray for the holy souls, I can promise you this, nobody else is. Because only we have this doctrine. There are billions of holy souls waiting for prayer. And if the Catholics, if we don't pray for them, who will? So God bless all of you. You know, a lot of these concepts, I want to show uh, one last slide, actually, are in my book that I did with Brother Jason. And you can get a copy of this book. Uh, it's a very, um, uh, a very good resource, I think, for almost everything I talked about today and prayers for the dead. You can visit, the book is called After Suicide, There's Hope for Them and You. And yes, it makes it sound like suicide's the whole topic. It's not. This is about prayers and helping the souls who have died by any cause or tragedy, not just suicide, but any cause of death, and why there's hope for their salvation through you. So there's hope for them and for you who are left behind. Please visit suicideandhope.com and get that book. And also there you can memorialize your loved ones. You don't have to put their full name. It can be a nickname or abbreviation or first name. And we will pray for those, each and every one of those people who are listed. So God bless all of you. We hope that you will be with us next week. I am doing something that's important for all of us because you're all going to face it at one time or another. And I don't know if you, if you really have, like I haven't, 
um, learned enough about this topic, and that is end-of-life issues. Euthanasia, mercy killing as it's called, quote-unquote, um, assisted suicide. Join me next Saturday live as we talk about these issues of Catholic teaching and what you need to know to know for your loved ones, especially the elderly, on what the church teaches. Can you remove a feeding tube? Can you um, leave up? Does a person have to stay on life support? Does a person have to take chemotherapy? Can you ethically remove a feeding tube? We're going to talk about all that. So God bless all of you. And we hope on this All Hallows Tide, you'll remember your faithful departed. And may Almighty God bless you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen, and God bless you. Why be a Marian helper? Because we Marian Fathers celebrate a Mass for you and all our members each and every day. You can share in all the prayers, good works, and merits of all the Marian priests and brothers around the world. And now you can share the graces just as if you were a Marian priest or brother. Every All Souls Day, we see a Mass for all the deceased members of the Association of Marian Helpers. Again, there's no way that after we die, we can help ourselves. But we have to rely on the prayers of those here on earth. And we members of the Marian Fathers will be praying for you as a deceased member of our association. You can share in the graces of the perpetual novena to the divine mercy. Remember Jesus told St. Faustina that the chaplet of divine mercy is one of the most powerful prayers we can make. And every day here at the shrine of divine mercy, we pray it and you can share in those graces. So if you have any questions or you wanna learn more how to be a Marian helper, please visit micprayers.com or call 1-800-462-7426 and let me personally pray for you and your loved ones. Thank you and may Almighty God bless you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Hello everyone. If you're like us in the state of Massachusetts where our governor has extended the non-essential business closure, you're gonna be at home looking for things to do. There is probably no better time ever, before or after, than right now, than to get closer to God. You see, you cannot love what you do not know. So we wanna help you to love God a little bit more by knowing Him. Instead of sitting at home on your couch, watching reruns of Miami Vice like my cameraman Giuseppe. No, I don't. I, I think that we have an opportunity now more than ever to learn our faith. That is why I have produced a new video, DVD series, that can be used as small groups and parishes or right at home on your own couch that is called Explaining the Faith. These are my 13 favorite talks I've ever done that are regarding what we need to know about Jesus, Mary, confession, communion, why would a good and loving God allow suffering, and especially a walkthrough of the entire Mass from the start to the finish and everything that you need to know about it. Tell you what, here's a quick clip. In the church, it's just not come to stand, sit, and kneel. It's to engage in this most incredible mystery. This is what it is. The church, what makes the Catholic Church, the Church of Christ is the sacraments. The sacraments are just symbols. They do something. They're actual grace. Sacraments, if you remember your definition from catechism, are efficacious signs, meaning efficacious, they do something. They're not just symbols. 
They're efficacious signs of God's grace instituted by Christ and entrusted to the church by which divine life is given to us. We have it so that Christ can enter into us and live in us. Now, if we don't receive him worthily, what happens? We lose that grace. So please consider, now is the time to get closer to God, and we're going to show you how. As I said, this DVD series has 13 talks that you'll be able to learn more and share your faith with everyone that you love to help get yourself and them to heaven. So please visit shopmercy.org or call 1-800-462-7426 to understand our faith better than ever before and to hear it explained in a way like never before. Thank you and God bless you. Please follow or subscribe to this podcast to receive the latest episodes and updates. If you have been blessed by this podcast, I invite you to leave a review. Reviews greatly improve our podcast ranking and will help spread this podcast to other people throughout the world. Are you enjoying this podcast? I invite you to listen to more shows brought to you by the Marian Fathers of the Immaculate Conception. Join us daily for enriching spiritual content which will help you on your journey with Jesus Christ. Simply visit divinemercyplus.org for a complete list of our shows. That's divinemercyplus.org. Are you a Marian helper? Join our Spiritual Benefit Society and start sharing in the graces of all the daily masses, prayers, and good works of Marian priests and brothers all over the world. Sign up is free and easy. Simply visit micprayers.org. That's micprayers.org. Thank you, and God bless you.